Welcome in. This is Drop the Mic. I'm Mike Welch. Thank you so much for joining me here for episode four. We have a lot to get to here on episode four. A lot of different things, but we're going to start with this. I am dumb. That's it. It's not breaking news. It's not something I'm, I'm sure you've always at some point like, yeah, no, Mike, you're, you're dumb. I have a lot of stupid takes, a lot of bad ones. One of them happened last week when I said Aaron Rodgers. Everybody can just hop off his jock, okay? He's not what he once was. He's threw six touchdowns against the Raiders. How, he's not that good anymore. I was wrong. 100% because Aaron Rodgers last night was amazing against the Chiefs. And that touchdown pass he had to the back of the end zone to Williams, man, that's it's one of the best throws I've ever seen in my life. It really is. Everything about it. I mean, we could talk about Deshaun Watson getting kicked in the eye and then throwing a touchdown, which is also amazing. Maybe we'll get to that here in a bit, but I need to focus this on me being stupid and thinking that Aaron Rodgers was uh, a little bit over the hill, a little past it, maybe a shell of what he once was. No, Aaron Rodgers is a god. He's a football god, and I have to accept that reality of my life, whether I like it or not. His mustache still creeps me out, but <laughs> he's still Aaron Rodgers, man. He still is Aaron Rodgers. It made it really tough. It was really tough to watch. I mean, you got the pressures on it, the, the coverage is on. There was no way in the world that should have ever happened. That pass should have been attempted, let alone completed for a touchdown, and it was. So I'm stupid. Aaron Rodgers is smart. We're starting the show off like that. The Chiefs 1-3 at home after losing to the Packers. They've lost to the Texans and the Colts and the Packers. All likely going to make the playoffs in all close games. So you, you can almost somewhat chalk it up to bad luck. Almost. It's not really that, though. A lot of it feels like Andy Reid. You know, and that's here's the thing Andy Reid gets very lauded as a football genius, right? Everyone talks about how smart he is, and for good reason. Andy Reid's one of the smartest football minds we've ever seen. But the fact is, that means he's also going to be criticized a lot. You know, it's like being the quarterback. You know, if you're the guy that everybody gives all the credit to when the wins come, then you're gonna guy you're gonna be the guy who takes a lot of the heat when they lose. So it's a double-edged sword that I think Andy Reid's never quite figured out fully. You know, he's a little prickly with the media, is he not? Yeah. It's personal opinion. Not that I used to be in Kansas City media or anything, but I think Andy Reid can be a little prickly. That's not just 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 calling it like I see it. <laughs> But as far as the team overall, you you look at it as well, what's the problem? Their linebackers suck. I mean, it's it's simple. They can't cover anybody. They're too slow. And and I'm watching that what the the Aaron Jones touchdown, the one where he caught the the screen pass and went, you put Eric Berry on that defense, it never happens. Of course, I mean I'm talking like the 2016 Eric Berry. You put him on that defense. Never happened. They haven't found a replacement for him. You haven't found those great linebackers in the middle. Haven't found, where, where, no more Derek Johnson of old. You know, you lost a lot of pieces on that defense for Kansas City, and it keeps coming back to bite you. You know, Patrick Mahomes is great. Those offensive weapons are great. But when you lack an offensive line and a defense, it's going to be an issue. And that's why I kind of – I hear a lot of people say that the Chiefs, they can win the Super Bowl if everybody's healthy. You know, if everybody's healthy, this is a Super Bowl team. And it's true to an extent. Yes, they can win a Super Bowl with everybody healthy. Would I bet on them to win the Super Bowl over the Patriots, over the Niners, over the Packers, over the Texans? Yeah, you got Patrick Mahomes. They have Deshaun Watson. I think Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson, because that that throw by Aaron Rodgers was amazing. But the Deshaun Watson throw earlier in the day, he gets kicked in the eye. He can't see anything. You see him after the game. 
Yeah, that that look on his face. If you're not if you're not looking at the podcast, if you're listening on on iTunes, I look like kind of kind of Popeye, but dumber. <laughs> he had one eye way more shut than the other after that game, man. It was not a hundred percent that eye, and he still throws the touchdown. I think that Mahomes Watson matchup is going to be in the future what we saw with Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. Now, every year, two AFC quarterbacks, they're battling it out in the playoffs. And the, I mean, assuming that Tom Brady at some point, you know, decides to stop playing football, then it'll be Watson and Mahomes battling it out for the AFC championship every single year. That's going to be a lot of fun. You know, we got a little taste of it already. We got to see it already this year. And it was, it, it lived up, right? A lot of hype. It lived up to it. So I, I think with what we've seen from Watson, Mahomes, everybody, I think the future of quarterbacking is great. The future of backup quarterbacking, well, if Matt Moore could be a backup forever, that'd be really nice, right? I mean, hey, he balled out. The Chiefs the Chiefs put him in the position and Matt Moore delivered. I was actually high on Matt Moore. I'm not a dumb one for that take. I thought Matt Moore was very strong, and I, I'm fine with the Chiefs riding with him. It's hard for me to be super angry about the Chiefs losing to the Packers with a backup quarterback. You know, Aaron Rodgers rolls into your house and he beats you with a backup quarterback, I don't feel like you should be losing your mind over that. And that's not the end of the world. One and three at home? Yeah, it's a problem. It is. One home win. It's almost November. The Chiefs have one home win. That's Arrowhead, man. You don't win at Arrowhead. Nobody wins at Arrowhead. In the Andy Reid era, they have dominated at home. The way that they've dominated the AFC West. So, you know, I never thought... Oh, yeah, they're going to be tough. I mean, to lose to the Texans, Colts, and Packers, not win one of those games is frustrating. Granted, backup quarterback last night and also a banged-up Patrick Mahomes at times. All those things, granted, still, it's a frustrating thing when you're losing at Arrowhead. It's, it's Arrowhead. Sticking in the NFL with the Patriots and the 49ers, both undefeated, both got wins yesterday. Now, the Niners, here's the thing. I think the Niners are more real. Than the Patriots. You know when you say something. And you just automatically know you're going to eat your words later. (laughs) I stand behind my statement. I do. I stand behind it. But I'm telling you. Right now I'm I'm like. I think the Niners are the better team. I think the Niners are more for real. Than the Patriots. I know that sounds insane. It sounds insane coming out of my mouth. One of them has Bill Belichick as the head coach. And they have Tom Brady as the quarterback. They have more rings than anyone who's ever existed. How would I ever think that? I'll tell you why I think that. One, the Niners beat the Panthers 51 to 13. All right, that's that's a September college football score 51 to 13. You don't see that in the NFL. That's a monster smackdown. Right, so I'm I'm cool with it on that front. Like I, the Niners are good. But the bigger reason I say it is because of the Patriots. And, and I, I'm gonna look at this right now. Bleacher Report put this out yesterday, saying that the Pats defense is scary. And it said it was a graveyard. It says, here lies the quarterbacks who faced the Patriots defense this season. Remember, the Patriots, historically good with point differential. So their offense and defense on top of the world right now. However, I'm looking at the quarterbacks they faced. And this was supposed to be like a thing that Bleacher Report put out to celebrate the Patriots defense with this little cartoon character Reaper putting Baker Mayfield's tombstone in this graveyard. The cartoon character looks just a tinge like Bill Belichick, but not enough like Bill Belichick to, uh, to violate some some likeness copyright laws. Just saying. 
<laughs> and um, well, I'm looking at these guys. Okay, Daniel Jones, Josh Allen, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Colt McCoy, Luke Falk, Ben Roethlisberger, Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield. Those are the quarterbacks that the Patriots have faced this year. They might be good, but they're not as good as people think they are. All right? They've played a lot of shitty quarterbacks. Just a lot of them. Sam Darnold, I mean, we've I've gone in depth about Sam Darnold. We've talked about Sam Darnold a lot in this podcast. Way more than we rightfully should. I should never have brought up Sam Darnold as much as I have. But he's terrible and he's hard to watch. So they beat him. Who cares? Right? They beat Colt McCoy. Daniel Jones. I actually like Daniel Jones. I think Daniel Jones would be good. But like beating Daniel Jones doesn't mean like, oh, this Patriots defense is scary. Get it? Because it's close to Halloween. Oh, Bleacher Report. Oh, Bleacher Report. They're so clever. <laughs> but I know I don't buy into the Patriots defense the way that other people do. I, I'm not. I don't, look, I, obviously, they're very good. I just don't know that they're historically good the way that some people are pointing them out to be. I also saw this today uh, that Bill Belichick says he will not rule out coaching into his 70s. Let me be very clear about this. Bill Belichick will be coaching football when I'm dead. I will die and Bill Belichick will still be coaching. I don't know why. Maybe that's not the smartest thing to put into the universe. Don't care. Doing it anyway. Bill Belichick is never going anywhere. Tom Brady is never going anywhere. We have to accept this as human beings. As much as I like, because I know I just said, well, when Tom Brady leaves, then you'll have Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes there. You know, they'll be the quarterbacks going head to head. It's 2019. When Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes were drafted, I would have told you that by now, They'd be the two best quarterbacks in the AFC, and Tom Brady would be somewhere on a broadcasting booth, maybe doing some Wheaties commercials, hanging out with Peyton Manning for a Papa John's hit. You never know, but he's not going to be playing quarterback in 2019. Well, what do you know? He's playing quarterback in 2019. So at a certain point, I think you have to stop wondering when are these guys going to stop playing or stop coaching and just accept the fact that you're going to die with Bill Belichick as the head coach of the Patriots and Tom Brady as their quarterback. I think I have to accept that. It's okay. We can drink together about it. That's <laughs> what I'm doing. <laughs> watching, watching the Patriots keep doing what they do. But again, they they've been in some situations though where, like the Giants game, right? Daniel Jones. Let's get to it. There were opportunities for the Giants to win that football game. There were good ones. That was a Thursday night football. It felt like the Patriots gave them opportunities, but for some reason. Teams struggle to capitalize on opportunities against the Patriots. I don't know what it is, but they do. <sighs> that team, man, I'll tell you what. I tell you what. Hank Hill in here. I'll tell you what. Boy, I'm right. <laughs> All right, sticking with the NFL for one more before we go on to some college football. We also have Major League Baseball, NBA. There's a lot to get to here on this podcast. But um, A.J. Green to the Bills. Second rounder and a third in 2021 for A.J. Green, the wide receiver who at one point looked like the best wide receiver in the NFL playing for the Cincinnati Bengals. Now going to the Buffalo Bills. A.J. Green can't catch a break, guys. 
He just can't catch a break. He never plays for a desirable franchise. I know the Bills are pretty good this year, but are we really doing this? Are we really? First of all, they're in the AFC East. So a wild card is their ceiling, right? The Patriots win their division. That's it. The Patriots win the division. There's not a conversation. If they were anywhere else in the league or anywhere else in the AFC, we'd think, oh, okay, maybe they could be something. But they're going to be a wild card at best. And I don't buy into the Bills as being a great team. I think they're good. And I think they're going to be a good wild card team that probably gets bounced out of the playoffs on wild card weekend. If not then, then the divisional round. And I don't know that A.J. Green makes that better. And now he goes from Cincinnati to Buffalo. These are not places that NFL players are clamoring to play. So I look at A.J. Green and I think, God dang, A.J. can't catch a break. And also Josh Allen. Who wants to play with Josh Allen? You know what I mean? Like that's not I know that they think oh he's he's got he's got some upsides and he looks pretty good. He's it's Josh Allen. AJ Green's one of those guys that like you pick him up in fantasy football every year and you're like, "Yes, I got AJ Green." Then you remember he plays on the Bengals and you're like, "Oh." And now he plays for the Bills. Like, you know how windy it gets in Buffalo? You know how hard it is to throw the football in Buffalo, New York in November and December? I guess they'll be playing on the road in the playoffs, right? <laughs> That's that's your upside. Hey, A.J. Green, you're playing on the road in the playoffs, so you don't have to worry about you know playing at home where you can't ever get the ball thrown to you deep, which I know that's your bread and butter. That's what you do. He's also oft injured, too. It's just I, I think part of it with A.J. Green is we've all had such higher hopes for what he would be in this league at this time. I can, We could say that a lot about a lot of guys. Antonio Brown somewhere still. It's always about the 14 or 15-minute mark. In this show, every week, Antonio Brown becomes some kind of discussion. It's got every week. Antonio Brown just pops into my head. And I'm like, I wonder what he's doing. We should start that into a thing. What what is he doing? By the way, just to point this out, the Browns are officially on the list for most disappointing team in the NFL. I, I mean, the the Falcons are there too, right with them. But I'm I, I mean. I thought the Browns were going to turn around. I really thought this could be the week. They are the team that takes advantage of the issues that the Patriots sometimes have, and they can go, nope, didn't happen for them. So the Browns, out of here. They're one of the most disappointing teams. I would say right now the Falcons are still the most disappointing, but the Browns are right there. It's like it's going to be a battle of the death between the Browns and the Falcons for the most disappointing team in the NFL this year. All right, moving on from the NFL, going to uh, college football to Nebraska. Nebraska lost to Indiana. It's not good, guys. I'm sorry. It's not good. They lose to Indiana. It wasn't a blowout, but who cares? It's Indiana. You lose at home to Indiana. You saw the reaction of people in Memorial Stadium. You saw the reaction of the players after the game, and you realize this is going to be tough. Now, one thing that's interesting to note is that some players said that Maybe the older guys aren't buying into Scott Frost as their head coach. They aren't buying into the system. And that's kind of shocking to me. Not because I think, oh, he's Scott Frost and this is Nebraska. How could you not love Scott Frost? No, I don't think that's necessarily the case because these kids come from other places. What I have a hard time understanding is how in the world could you look at Mike Riley and be like, I buy into this guy 100%. And then look at Scott Frost and say, you know, I don't get it. I just, I don't think I'm going to follow this guy. 
I was more into Mike Riley. Mike Riley. Mike Riley should be coaching or, or teaching an AP math class. What? It's advanced placement. That's really good. You should be very happy about that, but he shouldn't be coaching your football team. He's an assistant now still, right? Cool. Good for him. But I just, I have a hard time understanding why as a player you would be like, yeah, I'll buy into Mike Riley. Let's do this. And then Scott Frost walks in the door and you say, yeah, you know, I'm not really sure about this guy. He's Scott Frost. You see what he did at UCF? I mean, the guy just has a presence about him too. Like when Scott Frost walks in a room, you know he walks in a room. He commands the room. That's what Scott Frost does. He commands the room. That's his personality. Mike Wiley walks into a room. You feel like, oh, look, a guy just walked in. No one even paid attention to him. He might as well be the butler. Do people even have butlers anymore? I don't even know what that, where that came from. But it felt that way. I just don't understand it. It just blows my mind. How you could possibly be somebody who doesn't want to buy into Scott Frost. But I'll tell you, they're, they're, they're staring down a barrel of a situation where it looks like Nebraska might not make a bowl game, and that would be bad for Scott Frost. He's not going to get fired this year. Zero chance it happens. And honestly, kudos to people in the Nebraska media because I've been watching just to see, is there anybody in Nebraska media who might start up that train? Not happening. It could potentially be because it's Scott Frost and doing that could ruin your career just saying but I think it's also I'm going to give more credit to the Nebraska media I've been part of the Nebraska media before it's a really good group of people and a fair group of people some coaches don't believe that those coaches should go to other places and they should see exactly how hard go to Texas go to Texas see how they treat their Texas head coach now go to Oklahoma go to Alabama serious so I think the Nebraska media is a very intelligent media, a very fair media. And they understand that, hey, the guy's not going to be gone no matter what happens. They could lose out. They go 4-8 and eight this year. It doesn't matter. Nobody's going to point to Scott Frost and say, okay, buddy, it's time for you to go. No, you have to give him another year at least to see for progress. Probably two. Especially now that you're having players talk about the older players not buying in. Again, infuriating and doesn't make any sense to me. But if that's what's going on, you have to give Scott Frost time because he's the guy. And I don't mean like, oh, he's your head coach. I mean, he's the guy. The one who was supposed to come in and restore Nebraska to power. You know, it's different than when you hired Bo Pelini. It's different than when you hired Mike Riley. It's just different. And I think everybody knows that, that this is a ship that you've given to Scott Frost. And if he crashes it entirely, he crashes it entirely. But you got to stick with him till the very end. So not only does he get all of this year and I think all of next year, I think I think even if he goes four and eight in 2020, which would be terrible. If he goes four and eight in 2020, I'm still going to think, okay, Scott Frost is your head coach. 2021, now we're going to have that conversation. If he loses out, starts next year really poorly, then the conversations begin. But I still don't think he gets fired, right? He doesn't get, I don't think the conversation even begins now for Scott Frost in Nebraska. The conversation to fire him doesn't even begin, even if he goes four and eight. Next year, if he does poorly, the conversations begin. Then 2021 becomes judgment year for Scott Frost. But at this point, he seems like he's dealing with a lot of a lot of different weird things on this team, and a big problem is the talent that Mike Riley recruited. The defense is what it is; it's made up of juniors and seniors. Don't get mad at me for pointing out the facts. Staying with staying with college football, K State 
just has a way of sticking it right up Oklahoma's ass, don't they? Every time you just think, like, as soon as I saw it, I didn't even know the game. I, I just saw, oh, K-State's playing o- number five Oklahoma. They're probably going to win <laughs> just because it's K-State and Oklahoma. Like, sometimes a team just has your fucking number, and that's what's going on with K-State and Oklahoma. The Sooners, for some reason, can't get past the Wildcats every time. And just like last Saturday, more times than not, they're getting smoked by the Wildcats. Oh, am I a bad person for finding it hilarious every time? It's because it's because Oklahoma gets so much talent. They get so many things given to them. They have so many pipelines and everything else you could possibly want. Then you have K-State that doesn't have a four or five star on its roster. And then they find a way to beat them. I love a good underdog story. I love a good underdog story. And K-State... I don't know. When they play Oklahoma, I don't feel like they're the underdog ever. doesn't matter what happens. I never feel like they're the underdog. Oh, love it. KU beat Texas Tech. Les Miles doing things. I see you. I'm not going to go in depth into the KU football. Don't worry. We're going to go down that road. (laughs) But still, happy to see it. Happy to see it. All right, we're on to Major League Baseball as World Series boobs. Two people standing behind uh, home plate. Two women decided to flash their boobs on national television. It got through. A lot of people saw it. I've seen it plenty of times posted on social media. And it's the most exciting thing to happen in the World Series so far. And that's actually, believe it or not, not a slight to the World Series. Titties win. It's just what it is, dude. Titties win. Every time. We try to think, oh, no, it's, but, but, but what about the magic of baseball? Okay. There are boobs on the TV, dude. <laughs> they win. That's the most exciting thing to happen in the World Series, and I don't think you're going to top it. Sorry, Astros Nationals. It's the World Series I didn't want. It's the World Series I don't think anyone wanted. But here we are, and now we're waiting for more World Series boobs to keep us inter- entertained and engaged. Just calling it like I see it. Sorry. Had a lot of Astros fans, especially upset about what I said last week regarding this World Series, saying that the New York Yankees were in it. I think we'd have a very fun time. New York Yankees aren't in it, so I don't think anyone gives a shit. The David and Goliath story doesn't work when the Goliath is the Houston Astros. If it's the Nationals, it's the David, and the Yankees are the Goliath, we care. If not, boobs. Again, even if the Yankees were in it, I think we'd still be focused on the boobs. <laughs> They just win. They always do. Um, <laughs> I saw the letter actually from the one of the one of the women who flashed. She posted it. They sent Major League Baseball sent her a letter banning her from all future games and events involved with Major League Baseball forever. I guess they said indefinitely. They sent it to uh, I. I don't remember her name. That's not what I was focused on. She didn't flash her name on television, obviously. But I did see. <laughs> I did see the letter. And I remember I was looking at the letter and I thought, hmm, I'd frame it. I'd frame that letter. If that got sent to me, if I got an official letter from Major League Baseball banning me indefinitely from every event, or really an official letter from any any league, I feel like you have to frame it. That's like in the entryway, right? No, not in the rec room in the basement or in the in the man cave. No, that's going in the entryway. That's that's top right next to the family photo. 
You got the family photo. You got the parents, whoever, you know, the, maybe the kids. on, the, And then the letter where you got banned from Major League Baseball events until further notice. Indefinite ban, which is essentially a lifetime ban. Like she has to, my guess is she could like donate, you know, X amount of dollars or do something super charitable for Major League Baseball. And then they might think about lifting it. But she's not going to do that. That's, that's way less cool than being banned from Major League Baseball events forever. That's, it's cool. Yes, it is. I have not matured past high school. I think we made this very clear, right? <laughs> Talking about boobs. <laughs> I say high school. I mean middle school. Haven't matured past middle school at all. Oh, man. All right. What else is going on? Let's go to the NBA. We actually have a lot to cover with the NBA. Usually the NBA is kind of a blip at the end. This is going to be a little bit more because the NBA is back in swing and the Clippers should own Los Angeles. Here's my thing. I watched the Clippers and the Lakers. I saw that game. The Clippers are a better team. They're a more exciting team. And just because they don't have the name power of LeBron James or the brand of the Lakers doesn't mean they shouldn't run Los Angeles. The better team should run Los Angeles and the better team's the Los Angeles Clippers. Kawhi Leonard owns you. Kawhi Leonard's the best player in the NBA. We might not love that fact because we see other guys like Kyrie Irving who might be a little more flashy, but the best player in the NBA today is Kawhi Leonard, and I don't think it's that close. I don't think you can make a really strong argument for anybody else. You can try, and other people do. Other people do try, but I always look at their arguments, and I think it's he's not as exciting. He's not as exciting as these other players. He is better than these other players. And is it because he's fundamentally sound? Sure. I didn't love watching Tim Duncan play basketball. I didn't sit back and go, oh, Tim Duncan, look, look at that. Look at that bounce pass. Look at that power step dribble into a into a little, little tiny hook shot down in the post. Look at that post move. No, I hated watching Tim Duncan play. The big fundamental, hated it. Boring as hell. But at a time, he was the best player in the NBA. And Kawhi Leonard coming from, of course, the San Antonio Spurs where very fundamentally sound. He was taught very strong fundamentals. He used those fundamentals with his talent. I think has now become the best player in the NBA. And it's odd. The best player in the NBA is in Los Angeles. And LeBron James is in Los Angeles. But LeBron James isn't the best player in the NBA. Feels weird, right? See, it, it, it just does. He's been the best player on the court for a long time. So to see LeBron James no longer be the best, it's 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 an adjustment. What can I say? It's a little bit of an adjustment. <laughs> um, sticking in the NBA, Kyrie Irving breaking scoring records and looking like a dominant force. Yeah, he looks great in Brooklyn, man. I mean, really, Kyrie Irving looks great. And, and that looks like a really solid team. But I think I speak for a lot of people watch the NBA, a lot of NBA fans like myself, where I'm not necessarily, I don't have a team. I grew up in Kansas City. You know, I don't have an NBA team. I just like the sport. I like to watch it. I think it's the highest level. It's, it's a blast to enjoy. I would love to have seen what the Lakers would look like with Kyrie Irving at point guard, Anthony Davis, and LeBron James. <sighs> right? I mean, there were rumblings that it could have happened. That's that's the only reason it's in my head because there were rumblings that it could have happened. We saw that like LeBron James and Kyrie Irving, they they had they had really connected, you know, amid reports, they had, <laughs> they had really connected, 
And like Kyrie Irving was with all these young guys in Boston. There was this fallout in Boston. He's sitting there like, God dang. Now I get what LeBron had to deal with. This sucks. You know what I mean? He had to get a little bit more respect for what LeBron James had to handle when Kyrie was younger playing in Cleveland. And now he's, you know, he's in Boston. Maybe they've rekindled a little bit of a friendship, get the old band back together with Los Angeles, add Anthony Davis. And oh my God, how awesome would that team be? Oh, the talents by itself. Gets me excited. The talent by itself. Yeah, we dream. We dream. Final thing here as we wrap up here on episode four of Drop the Mic with me, Mike Welch. Again, thank you so much for joining me. Hit me up on Twitter at TheMikeWelch or on Instagram at TheMikeWelch. Have a lot of fun doing this. Enjoy doing it. Hope you have fun watching it too. But let's get to James Harden and Russell Westbrook already fighting. Already. See on the side, they were fighting like the first game. They were fighting with each other. And I'm watching it, and and I, I, I know what was really funny to me is they tried to put a positive spin on it. I remember they were watching it. I'm watching it and the, the announcers are like, well, you know, if they weren't friends, they wouldn't be fighting like that. It'd be much more uncomfortable. They're able to yell at each other because they're comfortable with each other. Like, they're, they're homies. You ever heard of like that relationship where people are like, oh, we fight so much because because we love each other so much. That's why we fight so much, because we love each other. It's like, no, you fight so much because you can't communicate. That's why you fight, because you're bad at communication. And I don't know if it's Harden that's bad at communication or if it's Westbrook that's bad at communication. My guess is it's like 80% Westbrook, 20% Harden. Not that Harden's the great communicator either. I just feel... Like, Russell Westbrook is a little worse at it. Just based on the sample size that I have in a world. (laughs) In a world, Russell Westbrook's probably more of the problem than James Harden. His hair looks, he's had better, he's had better looks, in my opinion. Not to go down that route of being the fashion police, as I look like someone outside of a, a, a cheesy mafia movie, like a it's, it's funny. I'm like I'm like I'm uh, uh, I look Italian, but I'm not Italian. You know, you ever been to like a Sbarro? It looks Italian, but it's not really Italian. I'm a Sbarro, so trust me. In no world am I calling out the fashion police. His hair, I think he's had better looks. Personal opinion. But that's that relationship where it's like, oh, they love each other. Look at them fighting. That's because they're comfortable with each other. They really, they, they must be friends to fight like that. I've put positive spin on things, man, but that's ridiculous. They are pissed at each other. And they're pissed at each other probably because they don't like sharing the spotlight. It's, Russell's never enjoyed sharing the spotlight. Ask literally anyone who's ever played or been around or spoken to or watched Russell Westbrook. If I just got through, I don't know, I don't listen to myself. So I don't do that thing where you listen to yourself as you talk. I just go. So I, if during that whole thing, I never called Russell Westbrook, Russell Wilson, I will be very proud of myself. <laughs> All right, it's been episode three of Drop the Mic. I'm Mike Wells. Thank you so much for listening and have a great rest of your day.